0: Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike, it's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride, because you've just tuned in to the Swan Dingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life, and let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together.
1: Let's get started. And welcome back to another episode of the Swan Dingo Files. Today I have Amy T. Meyer with me. She's a fellow veteran and also going to show us how to find purpose. And she has a surprise coming out here very soon. So how's it going today, Amy?
0: It's going really well. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, nice nice for you to take time out of your busy day, especially I know you got grandkids that you'd rather be with than sitting here with this ugly mug right here so i appreciate you coming on uh we'll talk about uh why you joined the military what you did your transition out and what you're doing now and what you have coming out here pretty soon so i want to take it off uh go ahead and take off with uh why did you join the military
0: you know um i come from a military family my dad served in the marine corps um his dad served his brothers served um and, uh so I just always figured it would be between my brother and I. And my brother had no interest in the service whatsoever. And so I always felt like it was my duty. And so and, um, my dad really wanted me to go into the Marine Corps. But any time I met the Marine Corps recruiters, they were like, thank you. No, we don't need girls. And they did at this time, but you never know. Like maybe they had a plethora of girls that signed up and they didn't need them. So the army recruiter was like, "Yes, let's get you signed up." And she was actually really cool and I, and interestingly enough, I just met a general who we were talking and she's from this local area here in Tacoma, Washington and we think we had the same recruiter. And so um but so but and so I went into the army. I actually became a citizen at 16, joined the army at 17. And away I went and I was one of the first women in light infantry because as you shared, I'm a grandma, so I'm pretty old. I got out like thirty years ago. And um, so I did supply, but I worked specifically with weapons supply. So I was stationed at Fort Drum in New York and which is a mechanized infantry unit back then for support. And then I went to Korea and One of the things that I did that's unique to me is we went from M16A1s to M16A2s in all of South Korea. And that all was through my arms crew. So that's one of the most interesting things I did in the army.
1: Nice. Uh, so you went, um, drum South Korea. Where'd you go after South Korea?
0: So actually got out. I extended in South Korea like every good soldier. I got married in Korea. And left married and pregnant and got out. And then, uh, my husband joined me in Washington. I said, I, I, uh, follow you anywhere with, but Texas. So he immediately got, um, stationed in Texas. So both our oldest two kids were born in Texas at Wilford Hall Medical Center because he was in, uh, Signals intelligence. So he was on an Air Force base, but he had a Navy commander like it, because it was all consolidated. And here we go. This is way before 9-11 and all that kind of stuff. So it's a completely different army back then. And so after getting out, he eventually got out and then I went into the Navy reserves and I became a CB in the Navy reserves and I was the first female CB in the unit up here at JBLM. And I was attached to a Marine Corps unit, and I was a SEAL worker, because my dad did heating, ventilating, architectural sheet metal. And they let me test out. So I never actually went to school for it. I just took the final exams. So, Wow. Yeah. And I liked the Navy better than the Army, because in the Army I never made weight standards. I always had to be body fat checked, and I was fine. Um but in the Navy, you could weigh, like, 30 pounds more. So I could jump on the scale like I was two years old. They weigh me, and I was good. I'm like, that's it? We don't need five people to verify or measure me? And they're like, no, you're good. It was like, I did it wrong. Should I, have joined the Navy. <laughs> I, I don't know
1: too much about the Navy. I'm learning more, but I don't know the height weight standards. But I do think the height weight standards are a little extreme in our military. Like, if you're a bodybuilder, you automatically fail. It's like, but look at the guy or, or a woman, even, we got some female bodybuilders in the military and it's like, but look at him. He ain't fat, you know that. So why you gotta tape him? It's like, oh, it's standard. It's like, come on, man. Come on.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and so it was interesting to, and I also, I had thought that the Navy was harder than the army. I don't know why I had that in my head, but I did. And it is, the PT standards are way easier. It's like a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. And like it was a crunch sit up, not even with your hands behind your head, like in the army. I'm like, I can do this all day. And I remember, so there's the only, there's, I want to say there was only two women in my unit, but one was a medic and then there was me. And so she always was doing stuff and not, um, or I don't know when she took her PT test. I just never saw it. We were running, and in the Army, my fastest two miles was 12.58. So I was an okay runner, right? And the Navy, um, doing a mile and a half, I was like, this is amazing. And so the guys were like, where the hell are you going? (laughs) There's no fire behind you. You can slow down. (laughs) And it was just, it was a lot more fun to me.
1: Yeah, I'd rather run a mile and a half than two miles, and I think the Marines do three miles. It's like, I don't even want to do two miles anymore. No, thank you. You guys can keep that two and three stuff. Have fun. Bye.
0: No. Yeah, and I do three miles with Wear Blue every Saturday, but when I say run, I really just mean walk. Once in a while, I will run across the street because traffic's coming no. down the hill. But I'm walker, rocking these days, that kind of thing.
1: I don't blame you. I don't want to run and save my life. I'm 38 now and I'm just, yeah, run, runs out of cars for me anymore. So, so how much total time did you end up doing in the, between the army and the navy?
0: So I did, um, just short of three years in the army. Um, cause I actually only signed up for like two years and four months cause supply, you, you know, go to school for very long. So uh, the enlistment is shorter. And then I was in the navy reserves for four years. Um, so it, it tapped out kind of the eight year gap for the eight year enlistment that we do. And then I went in to inactive. Um,
1: okay. So, and, uh, what, what, uh, so what did you do one year in the reserves and Navy? Like, uh, did you work or did you just, was that your kind of a full time thing with the Navy reserves? Cause I know there is active reservists too.
0: There is. And I wasn't, an, um, so he was funny thing. I actually worked at Nordstrom's at the time in the cosmetic department, um, during the, my normal nine to five job. And then as reservist, I was a steel worker in the Navy reserves. And so we did more repairing things than we did building things. But, um, I eventually think we would have, um, gotten to build things as projects came. Well, and the world changed after 9-11. So um that unit could have done a ton. Um or be could have been asked to have done a ton.
1: Yeah. Um so after the navy time, um why why I mean it was just you why why did you just end your service all together?
0: Well, uh my ex-husband now. He went into uh youth ministry and so we actually moved to New York. And um That didn't work out so well because he wanted a girlfriend on the side. And so he lost that job. We moved to Florida, actually, because the job market there was so good for me, and I forgave him. And then in Florida is when I started – my career started going farther up, actually, within Estee Lauder. and But he cheated again. So then I moved me and the boys – to Washington to be around family and to kind of get divorced. Um, my parents, who are married for 54 years, without deception um, that I'm aware of, that or that I think, um, really wanted me to stay married until the kids were out of high school. So I tried one last time and got pregnant, of course, because that's how you try, right? Sex cures everything. Um, Yeah, that's what my dad anyhow he he ended up marrying the last woman he had an affair with. So, um but the entire time I was working and working two and three jobs, um, I put him all the way through law school. And so, um, yes, but he never passed the bar, so um but um all that said and done, I have a great life. I'm married to an amazing man now that I do consider my forever husband, and um, and um he's a truck driver. So I went from a lawyer to a truck driver, and the truck driver is more honorable and way more enjoyable, and we have a much better marriage.
1: That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad you found somebody. Um But I like how you say uh, you thought sex cures everything. It's like, I don't know. I've been with my current wife for 13 years now, and... All six of our kids are between me and her, just the two of us. So no, no, she better not cheat on me. I'll beat her. No, I'm kidding. No, no, neither one of us cheated, and we still can't stop spending time with one another. And it's just, it, it's it's crazy. Like I, I, you see all these relationships out here where you know stuff like your situation happens, and and it's just like. Very few people stay together anymore. Like, it's hard to find anybody that's my age has stayed with one woman, you know, or been married this long. So, it's hard to see that. And I think we're doing pretty darn good.
0: It's yeah. Hard. Well, like I said, my my parents have been married for 54 years.
1: That's crazy. That's awesome. And
0: I think – and in, and still enjoy each other. Like, they get salty, you know, from time to time. but. But it's you know like my mom will say things like my dad doesn't deserve a skinny wife, and you know, <laughs> and I'm like well Mark does but it still doesn't help me you know. <laughs> but I think but so me and my husband now we've been together for 17 years married for 15. Wow. And so um, so it's weird to have the situation where I'm even referencing my first husband, um. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a lifetime ago, but it did get me to a point where I can really appreciate um, Mark. Like, I feel like I'm a better wife to Mark than I was to Ed, even though I had, I tried 110%, you know what I mean, to be enough to communicate or do whatever I could in that marriage. I don't have any... um, Feelings of regret or anything like that, but I just think you learn from different experiences. And I appreciate Mark so much more than I think I would have without that experience.
1: Well, you gotta go through sometimes the rough patches to find, you know, what's good on the other side. And, you know, it you definitely did. It seems like 17 years now together that's that's a long time. So, and to go through what you went through before with infidelity and all that stuff, and then turn around and be with a man for this long. And that's, that's amazing. So.
0: Well, so and uh, I will say, um, I, I will say though, you know, like I, what I learned from my first marriage also is to be, um, my authentic self. Like I'm a volunteer holic. I want to help people. I want to do things. I don't want to ask permission. I want. You know, um, for us to, for this relationship to work, I need to be my authentic self. And so you get to decide whether, whether that person is the right person for you. So, and that's like the two years, like Mark was like, let's get married tomorrow. And I'm like, no, like you may think that, but let's just wait a while and see how it works with kids, with life, with everything. And, um, that's part of, you know, finding a purpose. And I think um, it's what's helped move forward. Because I would have actually, when I joined the Army, I really wanted to retire from the Army. But it wasn't um, a good place for me at that time. They did not treat women well. They didn't command, um, supported the mistreatment of women. And um I felt compelled to get out of my situation by um, marrying my ex-husband. And I will say this, and, th- and this is part of the forgiveness piece for me. We met and got married in five and a half weeks. Five and a half weeks, not months. And it was as a response to keep myself safe kind of thing, right? So I felt like maybe he didn't fall in love with me. Maybe it happened too fast. And so infidelity was because of that, and that you couldn't – so it was so it was really interesting, um, the psychology that I had for that, you know, um, yeah, that I uh, have gone through counseling for.
1: <laughs> no, and it's understandable. Sometimes, you know, when you rush into it, uh, I mean, you don't really, really, truly know somebody. Some Some people say it takes years to really get to know somebody, but – so how did um? So is volunteering is that how you found your purpose or?
0: It is, um, but it's been like to me, volunteering is so much fun, and I've had such amazing um experiences from it, and so it definitely is where. And I also feel like it has continued to make me a better person. You know, like I've done um, events and failed at them. But people are like, okay, but you need to do it again. And I'm like, but I don't want to do it again. I sucked at it. And they're like, just suck less. But do it again. <laughs> like we don't have anybody else who's going to do it. You know, and then I think uh there's points in which you learn also where you're super, hero parts are like I love working with suspended expelled kids Mm -hmm. the rougher around the edges the more we can relate to each other and I can speak as honestly and frankly as I can or with them and they're they appreciate it versus are scared by it
1: Yeah, sometimes I think they just need a little extra attention because they're probably not getting it from home, honestly. But how much how much volunteering do you do?
0: Well, at one point, I took a year off of work, and I volunteered over 40 hours a week. Oh, wow. And then there are times when I've volunteered almost as much as I've worked, like close to 40 hours a week with a a 40-hour-a-week job.
1: Wow, you must have a good man then. Like, leave just run off that much and go volunteer time between that and work.
0: Yep. And I don't, I don't cook dinner very often. I don't, however, we're always going to different awards banquets or whatever. And he's my date. He's like, well, this counts, you know, (laughs) that's
1: nice. At least he takes that. I mean, you didn't have to cook, but hey, I mean, he gets the food.
0: Well, and he's, um, he works fourteen hour days and then he's in the Air Force Reserve. So he and so he also deploys and so we can be married single very easily and so we have to we prioritize our relationship because of that. Um so that we um spend quality time as often as we can.
1: Yeah, it's not always about quantity, it's about quality time with one another. I, I'm a firm believer in that each, each each spouse needs their own personal space. You know, a week, a few times a week. Um, when I, I would go away for a week or two at a time, because I used to be a truck driver too, it was. We'd, I'd come home and it'd be like we fall in love all over again, and then I'd go back on the road. And but that was hard, though, especially with little kids. You know, it, it's that's still pretty hard to do. But there's still times I just want to be like, I'm gone. Leave me alone for.
0: Two hours, please. Yeah. And so um, I took him to business conferences after his last appointment. So that was kind of fun because it was just us in a hotel room, you know, um, and we'd do the conferencing thing or whatever we needed to do. But that was kind of nice. We weren't doing dishes. You know, um, (laughs) we were storing our laundry. So I think when you have um, creativity, you can make it work, right? It's all about being determined.
1: Yeah, no, I believe that too. So, um, so you're volunteering. You, is that what you wrote a book about or?
0: So it is. So the book is called Stories of a Volunteeraholic. And, um, uh, because I feel I, like, I like the, as like a nation, game. we're just at this point of disappointed with everyone, right? Um, and division and, just all these things. And so I, so the book is written for volunteers. It's not written for boards. It's not necessarily written, um, for fundraising, although maybe you would get ideas from it. It's, it's written to the volunteer, you know, and I actually have, you know, how you show up as a volunteer is how you show up in life. So don't get it twisted it's because you're not getting paid. It's still your work ethic and your character. You know, and I talk about, um, you know, the mistakes that I've made. I talk about the fun times that I've had, all the different things that we've done. Um, and so, and my hope is that um, subsequent books or other people's like, oh my God, I got a story for you. We decided we were going to train um, monkeys to go up apple trees, in, you know, like whatever the <laughs> crazy idea was. That would be a good story, you know? And, you yeah. know, and, that would be uh, a good story <laughs> and how that and how they then you know made apple pies for the elderly <laughs> from the monkeys that climbed the apple trees, you know whatever. and I think that's part of it is like we need to laugh at our adventures and realize that if you're in those adventures, other people want to hear about them, like um the whole if it bleeds, it leads is a catch twenty two because we only search for the negative. And then we're angry that we're only seeing the negative. And then we put people down for showcasing what they're doing right. And so I feel like it, like we have to have a whole change of mindset. You know, we don't need to worry about virtue signaling or comparative superiority just because you want to save the whales and I want to save the children. We're both saving something and we're both involved in our communities. So we shouldn't be raiding each other.
1: Yeah, I'm getting really tired of people putting each other down in our society nowadays. It's like, just because somebody's doing better than you, why not ask them how they did it? Or if they're doing something you want to do, why not just ask them? Be like, hey, can I be a part of that? You know, it's that simple. Just reach out to people, network with people. It's so simple. And I'm glad I'm realizing this just in this past year alone, how much networking is valuable to just success, period.
0: Well, and I think even with character development of our kids, like, I bring my kids and my grandkids to um, uh, projects so that they have scope and perspective. You know, like, we'll we'll cleaning this neighborhood up, and I have my five-year-old grandson with pickers. Like, he's super excited about the pickers and the, the gloves, you know, and doing an activity, but it also gets them to understand, like, we don't litter. We don't want to be the cause of someone else to have to do this work, and you know all these things. And wow, that's super gross, and that's you know really cool if you're a little boy. <laughs> and I think it's building memories with your kids through volunteering. I think is a really good thing.
1: So what? Uh, so you've volu- I know you volunteered a lot. Clearly, do you have a certain event that you that that you did that you like more or? you got more appreciation out of or just more gratitude from?
0: So I uh, I like to work with kids. I think that's, um, I don't, and I, and I personally feel like uh, cleaning up, I don't know how Texas looks right now, but Washington looks horrible. There's garbage everywhere. And it's tied to people experiencing homelessness and stuff like that. But it's also tied to the, it's not my problem. Like I didn't do it. Um, it's not my problem. And so I think right now, um, my focuses are kids and garbage. Um, but garbage has only been a focus in the last couple of years. Like it wasn't really on my radar before. I would have said I don't know, um pet charities or, you know, something else. But just right now I'm I'm feeling drawn to the garbage. <laughs>
1: Well, from what I've heard, I've never actually been to Washington State. From what I've heard, it's getting pretty bad up there and, you know, California. Texas ain't too bad. I mean, where I live, it's – I'm the only person where I live that doesn't water their lawn. And I feel bad because it's like, I'm in Texas. Why? It's like, I got to pull out back. Why am I going to waste my water on the front part that I don't care about when I want to make sure my pool is full for the kids so they spend all summer outside? And they don't come inside my house until it's dark. I mean, but, yeah, but, no, it's not bad here. It's, I mean, not too trashy. They keep it fairly clean. I know Dallas. Okay, so there's been the two cleanest cities I've ever been to in my life were Dallas and Phoenix. I don't know how Phoenix looks now, but when I was uh, a recruiter out of uh, Arizona, I'd have to go down there. And that city was, like, spotless compared to most cities. Uh Dallas isn't much different. It's very clean, too. So, in Houston, I'm not too familiar with yet. I haven't been here that long, well, so.
0: We do have, like, I think it's, like, Seattle, I think the major cities are the ones that are by far the most um, dirty. And I think a lot of organizations do, like, park cleanups, but parks have paid employees to clean them. And um, usually people are a little bit better. I think it's the neighborhoods that need to be cleaned
1: yeah I think my wife would love you. She hates litter and all that stuff, so she was raised from her uh well, I mean her grandmother always you know got after her for throwing anything on the ground and stuff like that. so my wife would love you. so I was introduced to you. She'd maybe give her some lessons on how to get the kids to you know clean up more around the house so but but uh is there anything else you want to discuss today, Amy?
0: Well, so my big surprise guess is that my book should be out in the next two months and it will be on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and maybe even a website if I get my act together. (laughs) Um, But Stories of a holic, and I would love for anybody and everybody to read it.
1: Of course. And how can people find you?
0: So I'm pretty simple. It's just my name, Amy T. Meyer on Facebook. Um uh, and then uh my Instagram handle is TMIR seventy two.
1: Okay. And uh now as there your your book that you have, uh is there actual pictures of you, like of you and the volunteers? Is there any pictures of the kids, uh anything like that in there also?
0: So my hope is that it is. It's in the editing stage with Fulton Publishing and uh um, so I'm not quite sure how many pictures. That's where, you know, I do think um, building out a website would make sense because I do have tons of pictures through the years and um, fun all sorts of different projects um, from dance showcases to zombie apocalypse 5K to, you know, welcome homes and everything. I'm trying to even find one from a Christmas tree lot that would be like circa 1985 that I volunteered at, so – We'll see. What year was that? Yeah, it's probably the year we, re- um, maybe even before you were born. 1985?
1: I was born in 84, but yeah, I was still in diapers in 85. So, Yeah. no offense, but, well, I appreciate you coming on, Amy. Uh, I'll be looking for your book uh, and I'll steer somebody in your direction to help you build your uh, profiles up and everything, but that's all we have for this episode of the Swan Dingo Files with Amy T. Meyer. Do not litter. She will come hunt you down and she will make you pick it up. I promise you. Everybody have a good day now. Bye.
0: Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of The Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough, but with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking and keep Swandingoing.